What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Cannot stress the importance of those iTunes reviews and what they do for the visibility of the show. And big thanks to all the folks who have already taken the time 
to do it. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. I've been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify. If you want to check out some tunes I'm listening to throughout the month, trying to keep those real spread out. That February one is up there now, so I'll put the link in the episode notes for the Spotify profile. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Pump for episode 294. Husbands from Oklahoma City are on the show this week. Had a great time chatting with these dudes. I just stumbled upon their music looking for new tunes one day. And this is one of my favorite bands that I came upon last year. I've listened to so much of their music since finding the tunes and uh they've got some killer records including two of my favorites which i picked up on vinyl today after the gold rush and their brand new 2022 record that just dropped full-on monet both of those are available on vinyl and if you're listening to this on release day it's Bandcamp friday which means a hundred percent of the money that you spend on Bandcamp goes directly to the artist today. And they've been doing those pretty frequently. I think it's been a little while. This is definitely the first one of 2022. So great to see that back in action. And uh, yes, try to stay stay tuned for more of those if you want a great way to directly support an artist. And I will definitely put the links for husbands in the episode notes so you can keep up with them. You can check out their Bandcamp. Maybe you can buy... A vinyl of your own but uh, these guys were a blast to chat with glad we had the the opportunity to connect hoping to run into them at the upcoming tree fort festival in boise at the end of march if you live somewhere within the boise idaho area i highly recommend you check out that festival it's a killer four days and husbands will be there and they are on tour i know they unfortunately had some dates canceled because of a snowstorm in the midwest but there's quite a few dates up there so definitely uh check that out and i've got lots more tree fort artists coming up on the show as well as a chat in the upcoming weeks with one of the founders of the festival eric gilbert that was a a very cool conversation i had with him the other day so i'm excited to put that one out as well Other than that, if you're new to the show, thanks for checking it out. If you tuned in because you're a fan of Husbands, I hope you enjoy this chat and would encourage you to go back and check out some previous episodes. Every Friday, I'm in conversation with a a different artist or band from all musical genres. And every other Tuesday, there are episodes of I Dig Records, which is a series that I do with my cousin, Rob or a stand-in guest host and we do the deep dive on an album earlier this week I dropped volume 34 of I Dig Records and we chatted about Wayne Shorter's 1965 Juju album so if you dig jazz that was a really great conversation that's one of my favorite episodes maybe that we've ever done and Wayne Shorter is just a genius of a musician so it was cool to talk about him and all the different players around that time so that is available in the podcast feed and those come out every other tuesday so stay tuned for those if you dig record talk and 
If you live in the Portland, Oregon area and you want to see some free live music, Produce Row has music every Sunday. They've got DJs from noon to two. A lot of them are spinning vinyl over there, which is great. And then on Thursday nights from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., there's also music, usually live bands. This coming Thursday, February 10th, Leah Huser will be there playing some tunes. And then there's a special Valentine's Day show on February 14th at Produce Row with the Jeff Chilton Trio. That band is always amazing, and Jeff is such a nice dude, as well as the other people that play in that trio. And I will be DJing over at North 45 on February 20th. It is a Sunday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So uh, stay tuned and up on that. All the links for the sponsors will be in the episode notes. Appreciate those who continue to support the show. And I'm excited to get into this one. And I am very stoked about all the guests that I have upcoming on this thing. I've recorded three great conversations just this week, so there's uh, much more to come. Stay up. Stay tuned. We're going to get into episode 294, Husbands from Oklahoma City on the podcast. We're going to kick off the episode with a track off of their brand new full-on Monet record. It is one of my favorite songs from their band, and it is the song that uh, introduced me to their music. It's called Like to Party. Let's do the damn thing.
stoked to chat with you guys. I found your music just cruising Spotify one day. I was looking for some tunes to throw into my my DJ playlist. I do some DJing around oh, nice. Portland here and there, and I found Like to Party off of uh, the new full-on Monet record. I guess at that time, Like to Party was just out as a single with a, a few other songs at that time but i found that one and it uh always seems to make it into those those dj sets and i think that i've probably listened to more husbands than anything else since i found that song and uh went through the rest of the discography well heck yeah man that's that's uh nice to hear i like hearing that talk to me about how you guys formed this this project yeah so we uh I think it was like January, 2020, we released our prior album uh, after the gold rush party. And we were pumped about it. We had a bunch of, you know, shows out of state lined up and festivals and stuff like that, that we were pumped about. And, and, you know, obviously that was January, 2020. Uh, But by the time March hit and COVID came around, you know, we all basically, kind of got all those shows canceled and uh on top of that both of our jobs you know as with everyone we you know ended up going home and being kind of stuck at our houses and so as a band we're kind of like well i guess what we do now is we just kind of keep back at it and start writing music and so like all the the first songs on this album pretty much came from like that type that time you know like march 2020 probably through like July, 2020, I bet most of the ideas and not all of them came from that time. So I think we were just kind of like processing the world through, through the songs mm. at that time. There was a lot of like, well, we're not writing as a band. So they're all kind of like home, you know, things that we come up with on our own reliant on like drum beats versus live drums, uh, a lot of synths and you know kind of just trying to uh, i think like lyrically and danny can probably speak but to this a little bit better is like how do you kind of process a world that's sort of like falling apart and yeah. at the same time you're stuck at home and you really mm. are there's like this kind of weird like combination of the world is falling it, i mean just total like you know at that time it was like political craziness and um you know uh, a lot of just unrest, you know, but then also at the same time, we're, you're at home and can't do anything. Hmm. Uh, so this the album, I think, kind of dealt a lot with like those kinds of ideas of like sort of a, a slight like pessimism about the world, but also yeah. um, a way to kind of grapple with like, how do you kind of find some kind of like zen about about the world? And anyway, so we've been kind of talking about the album is like a toxic meditation or something like that there's mm. a lot of like anyway dan you can talk about the the meditation stuff you're more into it than i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure i got um yeah i mean that that's that's all right i guess like you know you try to something we're about is just trying to make the best of whatever the situation is you know it's reality is just what it is so just make the best of it but in this case it was kind of like <laughs> You, there's a there's a deer hunter song where Bradford Cox says something like your cage is what you make it if you decorate it or something which that's the kind of <laughs> attitude you want to have you know so we're like all right well we're stuck in a cage let's just have a good time make fun music and yeah but then at the same time you know Wilt's talking about the outside forces where it's just 
so much, you know, undeniable negativity and just, you know, harsh realities, you know, whatever. It's uh, just whatever was happening was um, just feelings that were, um, I'm trying to think of the word, trying to think of a word that doesn't mean like inappropriate, uh, but appropriately apocalypse. Will, what's the word I'm trying to think of, man? Help me here. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it was there. There's definitely like this sort of end times type component to the album. Like at least some of the songs were really kind of dealing with like this kind of like, you know, humanity is is not good. And at the same time, I feel you know. At the same time, I feel like the effort is to kind of figure out like I won't even say like the efforts to try to transcend it but it is a way of kind of just like slowing down your, you know, your breathing and kind of like accepting things as they are. And then trying to kind of like, I mean, I mean, I think Danny, you said it pretty well, like kind of just decorate the old cage, you know, um, you know, there's, there's just a way to kind of, you know, adorn your, your, uh, your apartment uh, in a time when, when you, that that's the only thing you got. Uh, so anyway, I, I, the album was just like this really creative uh, three or four months for us, like where we, you know, a lot of stuff was happening, a lot of inputs, and we were just, uh, we, we found some like kind of templates of sounds and styles that we thought were exciting. And we just kind of like mined them and we just kind of focused on on this kind of direction. And, and I'm sure as you're aware, like, our old music for the most part it's been pretty like surf pop uh beach garage kind of stuff and yeah but we just kind of kept going to these like oh we like these hypnotic kind of beats and we like these sort of droney synths or even just like just beautiful synths or like sometimes beautiful synths combined with like these kind of dark melodies or you know counter melodies and things like that and I don't know. We were just having a lot of fun with the kind of the world that we were building there. Um, and it yeah. seemed, it seemed to be kind of like for us, the right way of balancing uh, our kind of sense of the world at the time. Yeah. Do you think that it really helps having maybe both of your, your minds to help maybe create some of that like juxtaposition between like the meditative and the darkness kind of happening all at once? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the process, you know, or at least part of the process is just sending each other stuff we're listening to, which I don't know how much that was a part of it this time. But if if we like something that the other one does, we basically just sort of uh, go in that direction. And I tend to like the stuff that sounds like something I would never do myself that Will does, you know, stuff mm. he's creating. I'm, I'm drawn to the things that I no is not in my wheelhouse and no would never come out of my own brain. So yeah, it, it ends up being things that are way different from my own thing. So yeah, juxtaposing, I guess our own uh, creative impulses is part of what happens just based what comes out of our brains, I guess. And uh, I think like maybe the first song that we wrote on this album was, I think it was Garth. So that was a song that Danny wrote and it was just at the time it was very different from where the directions that we'd been going before it has kind of like a john mouse kind of uh roboticism or something to to the beats and the melodies are kind of uh 
you know, they're kind of staccato and, and, and relatively like limited in the amount of motion up and down they were going through. And it kind of created this sort of like, oh, there's sort of a hypnotic thing there. And I'm pretty sure like after we, after Danny wrote that one, I, in the next few out, the next few songs that we really like dialed in on were probably like Wishbone and uh, Ancient One. And so you kind of see like, oh, that we kept doing these like sort of driving, mm. uh, sort of like caveman-esque, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, droney is maybe not the right word, but they're kind of propulsive in a way that is like, oh, we're kind of doing something a little bit more uh, robotic than I think we've done before. And that kind of gave us a template to go from. As we kept going, I think maybe like later songs were just, we kind of started loosening up a little bit from that, but kind of sticking within that sort of world. Um, I don't know, uh, kind of maybe, maybe as we kept going, we're like, oh, there's a lot of relatively darker songs here. So we ended up writing a little bit more of like blissful songs after that. Mm. So like had like five minutes and um, AO and stuff like that came next and we were kind of digging that too so those are kind of like the last songs on the album i'm pretty sure that we wrote i think the only thing i'll say is to, to your point is having two people in the band um i think what's fun is a lot of times we're kind of theorizing about our music as we go like oh you did something here that sort of seems to capture some idea and we'll then like kind of become like cognitive about like okay this is an idea that we want to keep kind of going with mm. and I can't speak for myself in this, but like Danny's amazing at like, once we kind of start getting an idea going or a thematic concept, whether it's lyrically or sonically, I mean, Danny's so good at just like continuing to find new ways to explore that same kind of idea. Um, and it's just fun. Like, it's fun for me to hear like, oh my gosh, Danny just came up with another thing that fits in our world that we're building right now. Yeah, man, I think like throughout the catalog of tunes, I feel like guys are so great at creating a vibe but with this the full-on monet record it really did feel like you created more of a world with this one and those darker those darker overtones were you know pretty present from the beginning with bad sign kicking the record off and it was really cool for me to be introduced to your band with like to party because <laughs> you know because the the rest of the record wasn't out yet i only had the other singles to kind of go off as far as the new stuff but then to travel back into the catalog and get into all of this kind of surf pop stuff that you were talking about was was such a surprise to me because of my my <laughs> initial entry point is kind of this uh you know this vibey synth pop song yeah for sure what do you guys remember about 
forming this band and and how did that come together in OKC? Our dads were friends when they were in college, so I guess like the very beginning nugget of our friendship was our dads wanted us to be friends and also I, I knew of I knew of Will from. Uh, that's so true. Our dad's. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I, that's a funny way to put it, but you're right. <laughs> but it's it's like one of those times where uh, you know not an arranged marriage because uh, we were definitely natural friends from the start. But it's like if it were an arranged marriage, it would have been like a good one, you know, a successful one. So you'd be like, oh yeah, this it's like ah, oh, that worked big, out. Dad, thanks. But, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, I mean, Will was in a super popular band around Oklahoma city, this, uh, the band called the non. So I was a big fan of his music already. I would go to all those shows. Uh, we went to the same college as well. So anyhow, um, at one point, uh, the freshman at our college, we do like a, a music show, I guess the freshmen do a music show. And I, I had performed a song about like an old lady in a wheelchair. And, um, Will came up to me after the, the, what was it? The, Pro- program was over and said hey dude I, I really like that song blah 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 so anyhow we were ca- always sort of admirers of each other's music i guess and then at some point um you know will's band had just finished recording a record and um he came up to my apartment and showed me all the songs and just super inspiring but i i guess we'd always just sort of exchange you know opinions and thoughts on music with each other and then at some point it just became natural to start writing music together because we like the same music as well so uh i guess that's the very beginning nugget of it there's other other bits in there too yeah so we 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 directed like a kind of a song and dance thing that are like each of the sort of fraternity sororities do for our for our college and and we did a godzilla type musical and uh that was we worked on all the lyrics and songs on that and, and choreography for that matter and Danny and I just had a good time doing that. I think we probably spent, I don't know, man. I mean, we probably spent 400 hours working on it together or something like getting it ready and, you know, getting everybody, you know, doing their moves. Right. And, but anyway, doing the Godzilla musical was great. It was like, Oh, it's, just, it's so easy to work with Danny. Like we just are pretty good at like throwing ideas out and working with the, you know, building on what we have and also giving honest feedback and taking it well you know all the things that you really want out of out of a musical collaboration um not a lot of ego um right i have some ego it was sort of like a collaboration boot camp you know you mentioned all the facets of it it's like every facet of collaboration was involved in that thing even more so than like the band stuff now there, there were things beyond it involved so it was just a good way of basically building a muscle of collaborating with a specific person so it kind of probably influenced our collaborative relationship more than we even think about sometimes were you guys both writing a lot of songs of your own then when you first came together and kind of in that role of you know writing complete songs yeah i mean since since basically freshman year of high school i think i got my guitar my first guitar when i was in seventh grade and did blink 182 stuff but basically the moment i got my first guitar i just i love writing songs you know and i guess high school I, I was doing kind of this twee folk pop folk kind of thing and i'd done that kind of going into college i guess that's a that's sort of what was happening in 07 like bon Iver and fleet foxes folk kind of stuff yeah um 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd always been writing songs. And what's your musical history, Will? I, I would say I'm more of like a person who, I mean, I grew up kind of more like writing, I'd say like riffs, you know, like I'd, I'd more like write instrumentals and things like that. Uh, my band that Danny referred to earlier was an instrumental band, kind of like an explosions in the sky type knockoff, but it had like some other components to it. But let's just go ahead and say it was a post rock. Okay, you know, it was firmly yeah. in the the genre. Yeah, um, just I just gotta say this: there is an album on Spotify, uh, and you should listen to it because it is great. Uh, the knock. It, yeah, it's it's I'm I'll. I'll like go back and listen to it, and I'll think yeah. it's all right. It's not. It's not too bad. Well, I'm in. I'm into that stuff, so I'll definitely. I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but but I think like right around the same time that Danny and I started collaborating, that was the, the really the beginning of me writing uh, songs with the idea of singing and uh, with the idea of you know I, I don't know uh, fully formed type type songs with kind of conventional ish arrangements and things like that. Yeah. It seems like the experimentation elements were kind of there from the beginning though, as far as like that first EP, the Aiken <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah. Dude. Yes. Were you guys like kind of on the same page from the beginning as far as what you guys wanted to do when you started making music together after you kind of got past that, that Godzilla project? That's, uh, that's a, yeah i think so right yes but also i mean what it's i i mean we i forget that this happens but like we started trading stuff back and forth since like 2011 which it's crazy to think about that's like 11 years ago but there were two years before we even put anything out where we were there's probably like two years of songs where we would call our band i think it was emails is what we called it and uh none of those songs you know were good enough to put out we if you listen back to those songs now um i'm thankful that will was <laughs> reticent to put them out because uh if we had it's just like a, <laughs> there's just not as good but anyhow uh there was basically a two-year period i guess where we were sort of just making things better it, it wasn't necessarily different from what husbands is but it was just not as good as um even the early stuff we put out, I think is, is kind of fun to listen to. And, you know, they're definitely, like you said, is that experimental adventurous spirit in those even more so than kind of the middle period of stuff we've done. So I think yeah. and I, maybe to answer, to kind of go back to like, why is full, why does full on Monet sound like the way it does, but then like some of our middle period stuff sounds the way it does is I think a lot of times we're thinking to what extent do we want this to sound like something that a band can play or not? And with full on Monet, we really didn't care. We're like, if we don't even play these songs live, it doesn't matter. We're not going to limit ourselves to like arrangements because it's like we're in the middle of COVID. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, whereas at, uh, after the gold rush party, that was a band album. And we thought we want to make an album that we like absolutely can rock out live with. Yeah. And kind of the same with golden year. But then Aiken, yeah, we. I think at that point we were. I was living in D.C. and Danny was in in Oklahoma City, and and we just like we were just putting out you know sounds and kind of weird textures and uh, weird loops, you know, of like I don't know Les Baxter type stuff. And experimentation is probably one of those things of like to what extent, um, what are our limitations and what are our constraints at any given time. And if there are no constraints, then we really can pursue 
uh, weird stuff, and we get really inspired and excited about the weird stuff. I do. confident and like comfortable in the in the songwriting and what you guys were doing uh i i think probably that would be after the gold rush party because when i listen to both of those i'll listen to golden year and maybe it's just the mix maybe it's just the mixing of that album that i don't think is yeah. quite up to the snuff of the next one because the songs were fun but i can't get past uh just things i would that i would do differently you know as far as just mm. the mix goes. Yeah, I agree. Like when I listen to that album, it sounds like the drums sometimes aren't really like doing the work they need to do. And instruments feel pretty distant, things like that. Those are just, I, I think those are probably mixing things, maybe a little bit of arrangement too. Sometimes we probably just have like weird layers happening, you know, uh, things that probably kind of butt against each other a little bit. But that yeah. I'll tell you, though, with, when we did that album, I was extremely excited about it. And I thought, man, we have some really like that was probably the first time I felt like we had some songs where I was like, who knows, maybe someone would would, you know, beyond Oklahoma City might get, a, you know, take an interest in it. And yeah, we had some pretty good response from that album, too. Yeah, there's some there's some killer jams on that one for sure. I, I love that opening track, Smoke and, and Phoenix's. Mm-hmm is killer so you could definitely uh you could hear that the the songwriting was there in that one for Mm -hmm. sure but uh yeah man there's something about that that after the gold rush party record that just seems to have this this really cool energy to it and where do you where do you guys think that that surf pop nature comes from you know being that you guys come from oklahoma city where where does (laughs) that where does that influence creep yeah where does that that influence creep in because like every time i'm listening to this music i just i just want to be at the beach like i was i was driving around the other night i was listening to cool bruh which is like (laughs) my favorite track on that album and i just yeah i just wanted to be at the beach it was cold and rainy in portland but uh it was uh it was still setting the vibe (laughs) dude i think we always doesn't everyone want to be at the beach you know like (laughs) You, you hear it and you want to be at the beach. Well, we, you know, are in Oklahoma, man. We want to be at the beach. I don't know if, if there's more to it than that. Danny, there's there's got to be a little more. Shoot. I mean, Will, I think sometimes you forget you, like, grew up 13 years in Brazil, like, on the beach, right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> okay. for sure. The sun is, like, in your in your DNA, maybe. And I, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I definitely forget that. <laughs> and I guess, you know... something kind of interesting i guess is a good chunk of that album and even some of uh full-on monet i was i was not i was at the beach so i actually was at the beach for some of those things where i was writing the song so 
when when the songs feel lighter, it's kind of funny. Sometimes it just happened to be written like in a lighter place. Um, I think Man Horse was like a uh, a song that was written, you know, at the beach, and Culebra was certainly written after going to the beach. So while we do not live at the beach, we definitely find inspiration in real time when we're there kind of deal. I mean, Danny, yeah. you probably spend about one-fourth of a year maybe in Costa Rica or, or somewhere like that. Yeah, there were... Typically Costa Yeah, there's like a four-month period, five-month period that we were there. Um, I guess two two different periods combined. But now, and when when we are there, it, it is inspiring just because something about the sun is does something. I also just find that the records that when I'm listening to them, there's just like absolutely no need to have the phone nearby to like skip any songs. I just want to like <laughs> listen to the whole thing through. And then when it's over, I just want to either listen to that record again or put on another, another husband's album. Thank you, man. That's nice. <laughs> Being that there, there's so much production on the, the tunes. Is it, uh, you guys feel like you're more in the role of, producer rather than uh i don't know jamming songs out together for for the latest record I, i'd say that's probably certainly true uh, well i mean you'd probably agree with that where this latest one is more producing things together kind of the back and forth over the internet kind of deal versus jamming out mm-hmm. in person which that's just kind of the circumstantial part of how those were created so yeah i guess the answer to that question would be yes yeah i think so um I don't know. I, I don't know like if you could put a percentage on it, but I think we're both pretty much equally inspired by, you know, songwriting and production. Um, I think we probably trade more notes back and forth about listen to this, you know, drum sound mm. or listen to this, uh, you know, synth texture than probably like talking about song structure or melodies i mean I, I don't know that's probably what we are often talking about and maybe it's just because we're always trying to kind of calibrate our sort of like here's the sort of tones and textures that we kind of want to use to um to build out an album you know like here here's sort of the parameters of what we kind of want to uh sound like at any given time and i think to kind of speak to that a little bit i mean I find the production side a lot more challenging than than the songwriting part of things. And I think Will is like a great, a lot of like what the sounds ends up being is largely because of stuff, kind of directions that Will is kind of goading um, these production things into. And it's always in a more interesting direction than comes naturally to, to myself. So that's kind of another thing is... Um, our natural inclinations, like where I, at least speaking for myself, I kind of find the songwriting easier and the production much harder. And I 
so I guess I'm thinking about it a lot more. Yeah, well, you're like you're super prolific, and and you're able to like make just you know amazing ideas that I could never come up with, and then I think maybe I don't know. I feel like maybe something that I can do is just say like, here's uh, a couple of different ideas that we can kind of take it from from the from the starting point that you you know you might get the song to ninety percent. And then we've just worked together to get it to to ten to the the last you know to get it to the final point. Just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Are you guys both... uh have your hands on the the mixing of the project as well then yeah danny's got the, the master hand for sure okay. but certainly we 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 are looking at the ableton projects together and and you know we basically kind of just send each other versions of the same mix so yeah the answer is yes but but certainly danny's kind of got the the main i mean the vast majority of the kind of producing and mixing responsibility and i'm very happy for that did you lean into that stuff pretty early danny i mean i uh i guess i got like a behringer mixer when i was a junior and uh did like the pop folk records from that and garage band so i'd, I'd always done it but i'd never something i i've kind of found over the years is i'm not always great at like utilizing resources around me all the time or i guess maybe i wasn't so i, I was sort of like doing my own little uh i wasn't following conventional paths of learning how to do a lot of that stuff so it didn't improve very much over the course of like six years but then i guess like um so i learned how to google then it you know progressed a lot better and there was a period i guess with the last record where we recorded with chad copeland who does stuff with uh sports and broncho and just like one afternoon sitting with him, watching him kind of mix one of our songs um, was like an enormous eye opener for both of us. I think just watching him work kind of changed my entire process at a fundamental level going forward. Just watching someone who is incredible at what they do, do it, you know, it was really inspiring. So that, that was kind of a, a big moment was at, Chad mixed Culebra and, three other of the songs I think on after the gold rush party and you can kind of hear his, his sound in there. And so, yeah, 
uh, it's just been like a progression of things that started a long time ago and just slowly, very slowly progressed. There's definitely like noticeable shifts in dynamic. It feels like from record to record. Do you guys attribute that to just picking up new gear along the way sometimes and, and learning new things about production and, and software? Like in, in what respect do you mean dynamics, I guess, between because I, I know what what you're saying is correct, but in what like specific? Oh, I guess like is there times where, you know, you start to make a record and maybe you've stumbled upon this new piece of gear or this new guitar tone that really just inspires a batch of tunes or just overall knowledge of something that you feel like can advance the the ideas to to bring the the full vision to, to life, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that, that's certainly true. Um, like just a single piece of gear. I think Ben Queller once had this quote where he was getting ready to write Shasha or something and he didn't have any money, but he went to a guitar store and picked up a guitar and said, he justified the purchase of the guitar because he said all the songs are inside of the guitar. And I thought it was kind of inspiring because it's like to envision you know, buying a piece of gear as an investment in the songs that are within it. While that sounds like foo-foo, it does like make you inspired to a level that things come out that would not have come out if you weren't just like enamored over this new shiny toy. So yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And that's, you could probably pick a song and say, what was the piece of gear that was fascinating about this song that caused it to happen? Like, I guess uh, a song like Deep Freeze there's just weird chords in that song and will had been sending me a lot of the crumb music basically so we're listening to crumb and then i don't know i think i got an instagram ad about just chord packs which is a very (laughs) basic thing that you can use to just use chord packs but i i don't have a um like a training in music or any technical you know know know-how of it so just to do something with interesting chords you know you just drag things together and see if they sound cool and arrange them like that that's kind of um basically speaking to what you're talking about like a piece of gear or some sort of technical thing that inspires a song that's that's one example of it i guess we also used a ton of drum samples from the same group and i I mean so many of our songs kind of have that as its foundation that might have been like a pretty significant thing that we you know since since we couldn't have live drumming using uh, two or three different sample packs and kind of keeping to those like same the same like i don't know drummer or whoever it is that makes the, this this the, the beats you know that kind of was a big part of, of what drove a lot of our songwriting before that you know there was really no worry about figuring out how this music would really translate to a live show so now that you're gearing up to play some live (laughs) shows um what's it been like trying to figure out how all of this will work especially you know with all those drum samples and and things of that nature 
Yeah, I think it's been great. I, I mean, we're still working on it, but I, we were working on a couple, a couple of the new songs two days ago, and I was like, oh, this is actually really awesome to hear like a drummer kind of start bringing a little extra power to it. And uh, I'm getting to play sense on this, and I'm like pumped about that. I'm so happy that I'm getting to, I don't know, it's nice to play something different um, than guitar here and there. Um, yeah, I I am glad you're playing synth as well. I think I'm playing synth in one song. It's it stresses me out. I I would rather just like have the guitar there and uh, not have to, to worry about the extra thing. But um, I, I also agree. I mean, it's been fun hearing these come to life, and I think we're only doing. I mean, I got the set list right here, but uh, we're not playing too many from the new record. Uh, actually, I guess we're playing half of it, like five of them. But they've all kind of come out a little bit. We're doing things differently in certain spots. Like Like the Party has more guitars than the mix from the record has, which has been kind of fun to hear that kind of stuff. It's also fun to just hear Will play those Wiggly Synths live. So yeah, it's, it sometimes they take a different form live. You know, the, Will last time we went to Austin or somewhere, we were just playing. Was it Deerhoof Will that y'all were playing? Is that the band that they have synthesizers in their records and they never use them in the actual performance of things? Or is that a... Yeah, dude, that's that's exactly correct. They're they're this band that has... I mean, you've, you've heard uh, old, like, Deerhoof, probably. They, I mean, it's just a bunch of synths and, you know, weird quirks and squiggles and stuff like that. And then, yeah, live, they just do it all on guitar and they don't seem to... No one seems to like... You know, it's like it's awesome because they're playing it on guitar and it's not like they're missing anything by, by doing it a different way. And they're obviously so like un unapologetic about what they do at any given time. So uh, it's amazing. I'd imagine since you guys have done a lot of songwriting and constructing of songs apart for so long that it wasn't uh, too out of the ordinary to learn how to play some of these new songs after the fact of them being done. Right. Uh, there's probably like a handful of songs that were mostly written in real time. I mean, we do a lot of jamming in real time that will turn into songs afterwards. But um, for the most part, that that is how it happens is we have to relearn how to reconstruct it after the fact. So par for the course. Yeah, that's the hardest thing is just like actually remembering what we did. <laughs> it's like crazy how bad we are at it like we don't know how to yeah, play songs after we've like remarkably bad maybe painful except <laughs> i think so like it's a unique <laughs> a unique thing how bad we are at playing our own songs or remembering them you know at first <laughs> what do, why do you guys think that you've been successful in being able to make music apart though for so long because it's been a part of a lot of the projects right after the like the the gold rush record was made partially apart as well yeah you know that may just go back to just the foundations of our our collaborative um kind of relationship is that we we laid this groundwork for doing work together and will you know pretty early on in the band's life well maybe not early on not in that you know two years of not releasing music but at some point you went to georgetown early on and we'd been remote from the start and it's maybe just a drive to just we enjoy doing it is another thing is it's just super fun and rewarding and you talk about 
juxtaposing skill sets and, and mindsets, you know, while we, while we have similar tastes, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just really fun to, to write music with Will. So that's part of it. It's just fun. Yeah. I would, I'd imagine that's why you keep doing something for 11 years or so as well. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. On ancient one. I like that song a lot. There's a, uh, this tension that seems to be created in that one. And, and then there's all this relief in the second movement of that song. So there just seemed to be throughout the, the full on Monet record. There just seemed to be this, this added depth to the, to the songs. That's fun, man. That's that's a song where I think the tension kind of comes from the initial nugget of it, and Will, uh, when he jumps onto it, that was he was kind of like a giant pusher of the relief part of that song. Like the bigness that it gets in that second half was all kind of Will amplifying. Yeah, the second movement just totally amplifying everything that went on because it was really just a very small nugget that was only following that. Um, synth line basically and then it just sort of explodes Yeah, because you guys are making the music this way, do you uh, are you often kind of surprised what a song ends up sounding like from its initial ideas? For sure, yeah. I mean, well, I guess it, it depends on how far it's initially presented, but usually whenever it's like a true nugget, like a very baby, a fetus nugget, a very a fetus of a song, it's not even like a baby, it's a fetus. I don't know what I'm saying. Feed is so much for, but the, the earlier that <laughs> they are, they share and start on something, the more surprising the end result is. And those are always my favorite songs too. I mean, like a song like Speed Racer, I think we've talked about it before, was just Will dorking around on a iPhone with a drum machine in the background. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. But the whole song is kind of there. I'm not, not like vocally, but structurally, like with the guitars and um, chords, you know, that whole thing was in just this minute long thing. Yeah, it, it, it started as such a simple idea that you like, you managed to find like a vocal melody out of there, which ne I never heard that. You managed to, I don't know, get an idea around it. Like I, I really just gave you like a beat and, and guitars, and then you turned it into something that actually had some meaning to it. Um, it's kind of wild. But super cool guitars too. I mean, that, that guitar line was so weird also. Or, or just funny. Uh, something about it was, was very, it was a very cool, cool guitar line, inspiring guitar line. On this album, the song that I've kind of felt that way, well, he did it with two. Like Wishbone started out as like an extremely basic two two couple of guitar parts, and Danny turned it into this like really opera, I don't know, operatic or whatever, like kind of 
apocalyptic type song is like holy cow i did not know that it had that in it uh yeah. and then the other one was was had like or not had uh kill me court that one was not a lot in danny like i think i probably came up with the parts and then sent it to danny and i think within like maybe an hour he turned it around and it was like oh it turned into a song and that was awesome that was so exciting yeah, he managed man. to like mix it where it like okay it had a vibe and stuff and uh the i don't know it, that was exciting that was like for me probably one of the biggest points on in our the lifespan of this songwriting process where i was like oh man we kind of found sort of a, a through line on the album that so anyway that was that was a fun fun day seems like also kilby court is maybe the the softest dy- dynamic that's maybe been explored or at least from what i found in in another one of those tracks that is just killing and in the dj crates for sure <laughs> there's no there was no need there was no need man like we were i mean i just it was like we were in the house i got family around all the time little girls and stuff so you got to just kind of play on sense and you know everything's in your headphones you're not playing amps loud or anything. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I mean, even the singing, I was like kind of singing quiet. Cause like <laughs> maybe like my daughter was sleeping or something. I don't remember, but you know, that's just kind of the constraints that we had. And hopefully we made something good out of the constraints. rad to just uh hear how you guys are maybe able to help each other see things in the initial ideas that maybe the the creator of those ideas could not see and just how you're adding to one another's ideas thanks man i think it it's it's really like a credit to danny and um just like both the kind of the courage to like you know push something in a different way and also like and then in like on the other end he's just super generous with like if i if i throw something weird on top or something that kind of pushes it in a new direction it's like it's so nice that we're able to kind of like kind of do the yes and kind of approach to things um i think that's what makes you know if we were really like stomping on each other's kind of creative trails or whatever creative not trail but like the forward you know the trajectory um it'd be a lot harder but we're generally pretty good about like hearing the idea and trying to take it either somewhere new or just kind of give our own interpretation to things yeah and i guess i would add to that to will's credit i mean i think if will weren't constantly pushing to do interesting directions and and implement kind of these um not to say I don't like to do things experimentally, but if, if Will weren't kind of pushing us to push ourselves, I guess, I, all of these songs might end up being surf pop songs. Like I, I kind of get stuck, <laughs> stuck in a mode where I don't, um, I don't maybe just have the vision to do it quite as um, impressively or, or interestingly 
uh, without kind of we'll listen. You also listen to a crap ton of music. I mean, I listen to a lot of music, but you you sort of survey the entire universe of music. I mean, is that fair to say that you're listening to a lot of stuff? I feel like you bring a, a lot of different yeah. perspectives to what not not that I don't listen to music myself, but um, at least you're always you're, you're good at bringing a lot of these elements into it as well in that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I like listen to music any more broadly than you do necessarily, but I definitely listen. We have some a large Venn diagram, but at the same time, we've got a pretty large, you know, set of disparate stuff that we listen to too. Is that maybe where you get some of the experimentation? Maybe of of like I felt like had like five minutes feels like it's a little derivative of some of that Aiken EP. You know, just like the more <laughs> evolved version. Does that does that resonate at all or connect? It, it definitely gets. It sounds dense, at least in the second half. I mean, there's a lot of delays going on and a lot of messiness happening. So I guess when I think of the Aiken EP, I, we both think of that EP fondly. You know, it doesn't get listened to much on Spotify, but we both um, really like those songs. And when I think of Had Like Five in relation to that, I guess the density of it in the second half, where things just kind of, those drums really build and those percussion, percussive elements also, you know, Aiken had a ton of percussive things going on all over the place. Kind of that uh, sort of schizophrenic animal yeah. collective sort of all over the place kind of percussion happening. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. That's just kind of something that that's kind of our that's kind of our comfort comfort food, that kind of sound, you know, uh, I, you know, I probably put too much congas on stuff and Danny probably does a good job of pulling them back here and there but uh, I think a lot of these songs had like Latin percussion on them at some point and, then, and you know it's on a bunch of the album but I'm, that's probably like a go-to like a crutch or something environment that you're in is uh, pretty influential on the songs that you're writing if you're in different regions of the country or even different parts of the world that maybe some different sounds come out of you yeah I mean definitely and I, maybe as much as the environment is like the lifestyle surrounding the environment you know if we're some if we're in a different place at least for for my part of it when I'm in a different place it's usually to take a break or um there's something beyond the sun associated with with being in another place where it's sort of i can pursue these ideas without any other distractions going on so it's kind of i could probably be in like a dark room but if i was far away uh that would kind of change my perspective on uh approaching things just because i know there's nothing else going on so the environment, the actual environment, but also just the circumstances of the environment can have a big part in, you know, giving yourself an allowance to like work on a song for an entire day versus, you know, working for four hours and then having to go to the bank or something like that or the store. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think that makes that makes sense. Not just the environment, but what's happening around you. But uh, whatever you guys are doing, I fuck with it heavy. You're one of my favorite bands that I found in uh, 2021. And I had no idea that you guys were going to be at Tree Fort in, oh, yeah, uh, in March before we had this uh, this conversation scheduled. So I was uh, I was super stoked to see that you guys will be out there. And uh, it'll definitely be one of the sets that, that I'm trying to catch when I'm out, out in Boise for sure. Thanks, man. Heck yeah, man. You wanna yeah. you wanna grab some pizza or some grab a beer somewhere? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that would be very cool. And uh, yeah, just love the tunes. This new record is is so great. And I know there's some some vinyl copies of it, so people should uh, check those out and grab one of those. I will definitely put all of the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with what you guys are doing and catch y'all for a live show if uh if they're in a city nearby i want to play it out with uh must be a cop what do you guys remember about uh this one coming together dude danny wrote this one he put the, i don't know what your process was danny but like when you sent it to me i think it was already like maybe done maybe it was like 95 percent done you had like the lyrics done and i mean i think like the minute i heard like a lyric about some guy taking your spot and you kind of equating that person with like cop having cop, like, uh, you know, this is a cop behavior here. And, uh, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. It was just like, Oh, this is so, so it's just like one of those where you're like instant, this is going on, whatever's next. Like this is, I mean, that's, that was a big one for the album that that was a big kind of like, you know, corner post that makes up this album for sure. Yeah. I mean that, uh, the only thing I remember about it, I guess, was the literal, you know, circumstance of a, of a dude stealing the spot and kind of being pissed off, but then also thinking, oh, okay, that's, you know, I said it out loud to myself and then I was like, that's kind of a lyric. So you just write it in your phone and then think about it later and sort of expand on it. Musically, I guess I just got this looper pedal. It's one of those tiny little ditto looper pedals. And um, the riff kind of does the same thing the whole time. It's just those two guitar parts that, literally happened i think the entire song except for like the synth solo so in that way it's kind of like a one of the old panda bear person pitch songs where he sort of explores different melodies within the same structure and the only thing that changes is maybe the dynamics of the drums and the amount of melodies he's layering on there so not to say it was specifically influenced by panda bear but kind of in that vein of song where the melody and the dynamics are the parts that's changing other than the chords right on well i appreciate you guys uh giving me some of your time and and hanging out and talking about your tunes it's uh it's cool to do the the deep dive on the catalog and then get some uh you know some insight on where the the music comes from and kind of the dynamics between the two of you and in making the music and uh can't encourage people enough to to check out your tunes and we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the husbands it's a program we can properly sail this thing out all right it's a program right (laughs) (laughs) yeah one it's a program it's a a program
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> That's Husbands from Oklahoma City. Check out their tunes, and we're playing it out with Must Be a Cop from their brand new full on Monet record. And that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side. Portland, Oklahoma City, wherever you are listening from. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for talking to us, man. That was fun. Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned.